0: Nebraska on tap, the source for everything educational and informational about groundwater in agriculture. If you are an ag producer or a citizen of Nebraska, this show is made for you by the Middle Republican Natural Resource District.
1: Now it's time for our weekly show hosted by Heather Disming. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Nebraska on tap. So this week we are talking to Ted So. Ted is kind of a legend in this area because he has been involved with so many projects involving water, land, weeds. I mean, currently he's on the weed board still and he's very passionate about it. And um, he's also been heavily involved in the research center up in North Platte from the UNL TAPS. And, you know, he is just really, really, really influential when it comes to water conservation and water management. He's really big into that. And he said, and a lot of this stuff that the benefit between exchanging information with growers and researchers benefits both sides because then everybody knows where they're landing. So we're going to get into an interview that I did with Ted about some of the Republican river compact things that he had wrote on. Um, and then also he is very passionate about weed mitigation and invasive plants as well. So we sit down and talk to him about a few of those things. So stay tuned. And we will get into that interview right now.
0: Okay, my name is uh, Ted Teigen. I live in Grant, Nebraska.
1: Tell me a little bit about um, what you what kind of boards you're on right now
0: okay i currently serve on the southwest weed management board uh, which was organized in 2018 um, prior to that time they were associated with the southwest rcnd and um, because they stopped getting federal funding why it was probably important to convert uh, the um, southwest rc or
1: weight management to a 501c3 right and so Ted I had just talked to you a little bit about an article that I found that you wrote uh, why watershed management And so I just Uh want to ask you a few questions you had mentioned here the tragedy of commons where water demands exceed what's available and to comply with the Republican River Compact can you tell me a little bit about what you meant
0: okay Uh, The the tragedy of the commons, uh, again, it's when you have demand exceeding availability. And certainly the uh, Republican River Compact uh, would fall in that category. Well, the compact itself is each state is required to be responsible for whatever agreements they have. And that's one of the things that the U.S. Uh, Constitution has. And so if any state makes a uh, uh, an agreement with another state, they have an obligation to fulfill it regardless what happens in the future. And that would be the case with Kansas and, and Nebraska and Colorado. And of course, Nebraska and Kansas and Colorado lost in the lawsuit. So uh, and that's pretty evident of, of how that works. So we have to make adjustments in how we provide the necessary water to come meet our shortages. And Colorado has, uh, has some major issues, as does Nebraska. So we have what we call the Rock Creek uh, um, Project and the uh, um, NCORP Project that are used to supply supplemental water when there isn't enough available in the Harlan County reservoir. And they, in Kansas gets to soar their water needs in the Harlan County reservoir. And so if the reservoir is a certain level, um, we don't have to pump any water. If it's below a certain level, they have to start providing additional water to meet those needs.
1: Yeah, and I see um, in the litigation settlement Colorado got 11 percent of allocation Nebraska got 49 percent and Kansas got 40 percent and that's uh from an article in June 2003. Um, okay and then I I see that you talk about um the summer follow and ways to help with uh management of soil moisture in this article that you had written as well. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
0: Well, up till the 19, late 1950s, it was common in, in uh, western Nebraska, which is where I was writing most of this material, uh, was 50% um, summer follow and then planted wheat. Well, summer follow uh, certainly does preserve moisture, but it also evaporates a vast amount, and consequently, the uh, and if if there's rainfall or wind, there's possibility for erosion from either one of those. And so, when the <clears throat> dams were built, that data was used rather than uh, what is currently available, where we have residue management on farms there's uh, um, some cultural practices that have changed significantly and we have um,
1: uh,
0: a number of uh, people using uh, where where we built these terraces and so forth oh yeah to stop
1: the to stop the runoff
0: yeah and that's been significant. And so that's changed everything. Consequently, the dams themselves, generally in the upper reaches of the Republican River Basin, have less water in on what they originally were designed for.
1: Yeah, because so, you don't have that runoff anymore, right? Because uh, it just
0: absorbs into the field. And, and the other thing is it reduces the runoff in the stream. And that's where the uh, weed management groups come in, because their primary objective is to. Uh, take out undesirable vegetation out of the floodplain of the Republican River Basin and its tributaries. And those included are Russian olive, um, salt cedar, and phragmites. Those are the main ones. And then red cedar. Now, Russian olives are, are kind of difficult to control because once you cut it, you have to treat the stump or else it'll regrow again. Whereas uh, phragmites can be sprayed with uh, typical um, uh, chemicals that that will totally destroy the vegetation. But unfortunately, phragmites have a real unique uh, uh, value, and that is they are, during the growing season, are able to send out a, a runner every foot every day. So consequently, if you have a rag mighty close to the stream, uh, it's not unusual for them to control, totally choke off a stream flow.
1: Yeah, especially and, if they're growing that fast.
0: Yeah, it, it's just amazing. And, of course, red cedar, you can, oh, it's, all you have to do is cut it off and that's the end of it. But they all take water mm-hmm. and they're not contributing any economic value. And so... Uh, Southwest Weed Management and other weed management districts are are making a major effort to control those. Well, our funding then comes from both the Nebraska Department of Agriculture and also from the Nebraska Environmental Trust. And uh, uh, their their requirements are to uh, currently are to stay within the uh, floodplain and the tributaries. Now, when it comes to red cedar, we'd like to see a statewide program for what we call um, early detection and eradication and that would include the upland uh, because red cedar is becoming a major challenge clear across the state
1: wow yeah and um it's great to know about that because if you don't you know then you just see them growing and you don't know that they needed to be eradicated so when when they when
0: they first start, they by the time they're about eight years old, uh, they start to uh, uh, dropping seed, these female plants. Well, then those you know start to growing, and in about twenty years, a a uh, pasture or, or a, a gully or whatever will be totally inundated by uh, the salt the red cedar. And the, and the economic value for pasture is, is very limited. Now, the river system certainly has as big a problem as any, and that includes the phragmite the, uh, uh, problem, that all you have to do is drive along the roads and you can see the, the impact of those uh, um, plants on, on the river system.
1: And when they are um, so close to the river, what is your best practice for eradicating those since they're next to a waterway?
0: There are limitations because, you know, you're dealing with waterfowl and you're also dealing with aquatic uh, 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 fish and so forth that the uh, uh, Environmental Trust and also the Nature Conservancy and other um, advocacy groups really want to protect. So there's a fairly tight a schedule that you have to follow in order to eradicate them. Currently, uh, we use airplanes
1: mm-hmm. and
0: we used, and we, and the movement is towards using more drones, yeah, because they will be very precise in, in their application of herbicides and so forth to control. And also the drones are used to inspect um, the areas to, that have been treated or non-treated to see what needs to be done and and it can be used for mapping
1: yeah no that those drones are really nice for that because of the precision that they offer and um, the location tightness that they can offer to you know especially if a plane or or a person can't get into that area Mm -hmm. so that's really nice And then one of my last questions for you in here, um, in your article, you had talked about irrigated corn acres um, started to happen in the 1950s and changed wheat growers into corn growers. And then um, you know the bushel acre for corn at that time was 75 to 80 um, bushels an acre. And then after center pivots in the 70s, it was an average of 120 bushel an acre. And then by 2016, it was 111, or sorry 211 average bushel an acre. Um, but in the 1970s, moratorium on drilling irrigation wells was implemented. Um, and then plus Nebraska had established those NRDs um, for the water basin um, sheds. Can you tell me a little bit about your role in some of that?
0: Right now I'm involved in a study that deals with uh, evapotranspiration and, and, and both using uh, what we call ETC which is based with on sunlight um, measurement. And then we have the uh, normal ETR, which is relative um, evaporation. And that's where you use the open pan concept. And then you just put water in the pan and then on a daily basis, you go to work and ma- measure, and see how much water is evaporated. And uh, that's what we've been using And that concept works pretty good where you have irrigation and uh, you don't have any drought stress. But when you start using ETC, which is used on sunlight basis, which uh, shines on the ground and either the uh, soil warms up, the uh, bounces back into the atmosphere with residue, or if there's no uh, water to evaporate, why the etc reading is extremely low and if we're going to do water management on a watershed basis in the future we need to have that number because a lot of the acres are dry land so one of the benefits of etc are that it'll identify early moisture stress in a field now on here irrig- you could do it for either irrigation or dry land or native grass or, or whatever. And once that information is, meets research standards, it will be used in satellite imagery, whereas when the satellite comes over, it'll be, tell, it'll be able to tell you exactly how much water was consumed on a given day over a certain area. Having that information, you can take and put advisory boards together to manage watersheds. Uh, for long-term sustainability, and that's the uh, major goal that we're at at this point. We've come a long ways in the last 10 years. It's just amazing.
1: Our district specifically has been investing a lot in water management Uh, when it comes to that. We had just got a contract with Micrometer and we're finishing up all of our district's meters with the brand new telemetry meters, yeah. which um, everybody seems to like a little bit better they're more accurate and they're really specific and and real time too, which is nice
0: that concept is very beneficial to the management of of the organization. One of the things I want to compliment the middle republican n r d about is the water study that they did a couple of years ago on the red Willow, and Believe me, I, I learned a lot from that report and they've done an outstanding job of identifying identifying the sources of water that are available to the uh, Red Willow. Mm-hmm. And now we need to start doing a little more with the uh, electronic um, meters and uh, using ETC to uh, help in determining how we can best manage our water in the future that's the next step here
1: yeah exactly because you know once it's gone you know we never know when it's really going to come back it's mother nature's call on that Mm -hmm. so
0: and there's no there's no question that we can't do a better job of managing our water resources than what we currently are
1: right it just takes a little effort sometimes well
0: it's a learning process Mm -hmm. there's always a resistance to change
1: (laughs) there definitely can be resistance to change that is definitely a fact
0: yeah that's normal
1: yeah well yep perfect well thank you so much ted for your time today and i look forward to talking to you and with you in the future okay Yeah. yeah
0: okay thank you again
1: All right. So thank you so much for listening to my interview with Ted. He is such a history book. I mean, he's literally been around since the NRD started and he's clearly very passionate about it every step of the way. So thank you again for tuning in this week. We will see you again next week and have a great one. Bye-bye.